Trinity Church family, we're so glad you're here with us. Would you lift your voices as we sing? The Bible says we are to give praise in all circumstances, so let's do that today. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. with us this morning and tell us everybody that's in your household, even your cats and dogs. 
So we would love for you to be a part of that. And then also a digital bulletin has been emailed in your inbox. And we would love for you to give us prayer requests, comment um, through that. And that's also through your Connect card. Uh, there are lots of activities coming up in the next couple weeks. Our community project, thank you so much for all of your medical supplies donated for Cactus Texas, a compassionate ministry center, the Smiths. Hopped in their car yesterday and are on their way to Texas, so please pray for their travel and their ministry as they serve there in the next few weeks. There was gobs and gobs of stuff. If you have Facebook, check it out. There's pictures on there that you guys donated, so thank you so much for your ministry. Um, Our community project now this month is for our local elementary schools. We're doing back-to-school supplies Uh, And you have that information in a flyer in your bulletin today of what's needed. There's bins out in front of the front of the church that you can pick up or drop off those items. And we would love to have you be a part of that for our local elementary schools. Um, Adriana's open house is this next Saturday from 2 to 6 here on the church lawn. If it rains, we'll have it in the gym. Um, And then we're going to do a drive-by baby shower for Pastor Kyle and Morgan on Sunday, August 9th, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., right after our outdoor service. So welcome their new baby boy fellows. He's not here yet, but he's coming uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, they're registered on Amazon and Target. Uh, and so gift cards are also welcome if you want to just drive by and say hi to Pastor Kyle and the very pregnant Morgan. And then also we want to say congratulations to David and Holly Beeman on the birth of their new baby boy, Noah David, that was born last week on July 16th, pretty early in the morning. So congrats to them. And then we have a WeCare graduation. We're going to do it a little differently and have a walkthrough with families on Saturday, August 15th from 9 to noon. Um, and so we need some volunteers. So if you're able to wipe down and clean and sanitize, Each station, after uh, families walk through, we would love for you to sign up for that. You can sign up um, on your Connect card. Uh, There's a sign-up in your bulletin, and then also you can call the church office to sign up for that. But we would love to help Miss Jen and Miss Liz with that graduation to say hurrah for our preschoolers going on to kindergarten. We're also going to continue with our outdoor services at 10 a.m. We'd love for you to RSVP for those. You're doing a great job at RSVPing already. But we want to continue that until further notice. We'll have an outdoor service at 10 a.m. and then always online at 11 a.m. So we have a fantastic time of worship this morning uh, to conclude our When Life Gives You series with Pastor Kyle. So take a moment right now. And greet those that are with you in your living room, on your campsite, in your boat, wherever you're watching with us this morning, and welcome them to church. Let's sing this song Pastor Jeff always has is to bring us back together.
from Psalm 105, 1 through 8 this morning. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. You, his servant, the descendants of Abraham, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob. He is the Lord, our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever the promise he made for a thousand generations.
We pray for those who continue to have questions about employment and finances and all of those things right now. We pray for those who are sick. We have several who are in the hospital. We think of those people this morning. And we pray for those who are sick with the virus. We pray that you would be with doctors and you would be with scientists as we work towards a solution to this pandemic. We're thankful that in a world that is so constantly changing right now, you never do. And your love for us and your care for us stays the same. We thank you for being a God who is faithful. This morning we also want to pray for Pastor Jeff as he's away on retreat this week. And as he prays and as he seeks and he writes, I pray that you would speak clearly to him as he plans the year ahead for Cross Community. We thank you for the mission that you have given to this church, and we thank you for a pastor who continues to be faithful to call us to know you, to trust you, and to follow you. And so as we continue in our service this morning, we ask that you would speak to us, that your Holy Spirit would continue to shape us to look like Jesus. And in a world that is pulling us in so many different directions right now, I pray that you would help us to hear your words for us this morning. We thank you for inviting us to be a part of all that you're doing in our world. And so as we give back just a little bit of what you've given to us, I pray that as we give, even in creative and different ways, you would bless those who are able to give this morning and that we would use those gifts for the good and the growth of your kingdom. We thank you for another opportunity to bring all that we are to you this morning. And we're thankful that as we walk with you, you promise to be with us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy this morning. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Of course, this is our time where we would normally uh, pass the plates for our tithes and offerings. But as we've done, we want to continue to invite you to give online. Uh, You can take advantage of that on our website at c3naz.net. You can give there safely and securely, and we appreciate you doing that. Many of you have taken the opportunity to also just send in your, uh, your giving straight to the church here, to our physical building. And so we want to remind you our physical address is 5625 Oakland Drive in Portage, Michigan. The zip code is 49024. So you can continue to do that as well. We thank you uh, for your generosity. And so we want to give you just a couple of minutes to take advantage of that online giving if you would like to do that. Uh, Take a couple of minutes right now for that. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to be this morning. If you've been with us for the past several weeks, you know that we've been in a series called When Life Gives You. 
And together we've taken a look at when life gives us doubt, when life gives us difficulties. And then last week, Pastor Jeff did an incredible job helping us wrestle with when life gives us conflict. And so if you've missed any of those messages, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to those. You can find those on our YouTube channel. You can find those on our Facebook page. I believe this has been a really relevant message uh, for us through this time. This series has been so, so relevant for us as we live in this world right now with so many challenges. So go back and listen to those if you've missed any of them. But today is our fourth and final message in this series. And today we're going to be looking at when life gives you worry. And to help us do that, uh, we're going to look at some of the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. These are words that we've heard before. Uh, These are some of Jesus' probably most famous words. But they're words that continue to be so important for us as we wrestle with and try to figure out what it means to follow Jesus in our modern world. And so this morning we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or, your, or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and your body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you worry and add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of God for the people of God, and our response is always, thanks be to God. So this morning we are talking about worry, and we're talking about how we worry about serious things, of course, but sometimes we also worry in ridiculous situations as well. A couple years ago, I had the privilege of standing up with one of my best friends at his wedding as one of his groomsmen, and this wedding was in Kansas City, and so Morgan and I were a little bit late getting into town this weekend, and so we had some things that we needed to do, so we had to go to the tuck shop, and we had to pick up the rental for the wedding, and so we got there, and I tried it on, and I paid, and then I threw it in the back, back seat of the car, and we took off, and we had to go straight to the rehearsal dinner. We were in a little bit of a hurry this weekend. And so uh, the next day was the wedding, and so uh, the wedding party arrived at the venue about five hours before the wedding was supposed to get started. And so we know, and I know, that uh, often the girls and the bridesmaids need a little bit more time to get ready and those kinds of things on the wedding day, but, but the groomsmen didn't. And so we just had all this extra time to kind of hang out. We watched the Chiefs game for a couple of hours, and then about an hour before the wedding is getting ready to get started, we start getting dressed. So we pull out our tux rental bags and we start putting those on. And as we're doing this, it occurs to me, I can't find my pants. And this is troubling to me, right? I'm going through the bag and I can't find my pants. And I'm looking at the other groomsmen's rentals and all their pants are hanging neatly on a hanger. 
And I've got the hanger where the pants are supposed to be, but there are no pants. And so I start to freak out, right? I'm, I'm pretty worried at this point because I know that the tux shop is closed. And there is no way that I'm, even if they were open, going to make it to Overland Park and back to the north side of Kansas City before this wedding is supposed to start. So I'm really concerned. I'm looking for these pants. And at one point, one of the other groomsmen sees my face. And he asks me, he says, are you okay? What's wrong? And of course, I say, nothing, right? Like, I'm good. Like, I'm not going to tell him that we're less than an hour to this wedding and I have no pants to wear. And then it's at this point that one of the bridesmaids comes to our door and knocks and says, hey, if you guys are good, we'd like to take some pictures here in about 15 minutes before we get started with everything else. And so it's the panic is setting in because I don't have any pants to wear for these pictures or for the wedding that's coming here really soon. But then finally, in my moment of panic, I I reach in this bag and I find kind of this hidden pocket on the inside of the rental bag, and I feel what might possibly be a pair of pants and so I say a little prayer, God help there be some pants in this bag. And I, I turn it over and I, I shake it and out falls this pair of pants. Now, it was probably about five minutes all of this has taken place, but it felt like an eternity. And I was starting to worry that I was going to have to tell my best friend on his wedding day that I didn't have any pants to wear. Because the point of renting a tux is that you all kind of look the same. That's the point. And so I was very concerned at this point, luckily, it all worked out in the end. But I don't think that this is what Jesus is talking about when he tells us not to worry. We have a lot more important things to worry about than a pair of missing pants. But we do this. We worry about insignificant things. We worry about important things. And our tendency is to jump to the worst-case scenario and to worry in moments of challenge and panic. And so the words that we read this morning from Matthew chapter 6 so clearly say that we are not to worry. And so this morning we're going to look at what we're supposed to do with these words of Jesus and what we're supposed to do when life gives us things to worry about. Because on one hand, Jesus' words for us here, they're great news. It is good news that we are told that we do not need to worry. But on the other hand, this passage is also going to be challenging for us always Because we do this. We worry all the time. And I think this is especially true for us right now in the world that we are currently living in. Each one of us has a laundry list of things that we didn't know we were going to have to be concerned about just a couple of months ago. And then we add that into all the things that we normally worry about, the the big things, the trivial things. And we realize maybe now more than ever that our natural human response is to worry when unexpected and challenging and even scary things come our way. And so in preparation for our sermon this morning, I did some pretty scholarly research. I did a Google search. And uh, I want you to be assured that we will get to our Greek word in just a moment here. But I started with the always reliable Internet, and I looked up Christians and worrying because I was curious to see what Christians spend the majority of their time worrying about. And honestly, to see if I worry about the same things as everybody else, because I thought that might make me feel a little bit better. But it was interesting, before I even got to any kind of an answer as to what most people worry about, my search results were full of suggestions of how we as Christians can and should stop worrying. And so I wanted to share a couple of those article titles with you here this morning. Number one, seven Christian steps to the worry-free you. Number two, how to stop worrying, 15 practical steps with pictures. 
Number three, 23 steps to a worry-free life. And I have to confess to you this morning, when I saw 23 steps to a worry-free life, I was convinced that that is something that's probably going to make me more anxious and not less. But as we got back to this Google search, um, to look at what Christians worry about most, I found a list of things that we might expect. We worry about losing our jobs. We worry about our health. We worry about finances and violent crime, that something bad might happen to us or to someone that we love. We worry about the decisions that we have to make. We worry about our kids. We worry about planning for retirement. But what was really interesting to me is that in a study done by Pew Research Center, they found very little difference between the things that Christians worry about versus the things that people who don't claim faith worry about. In fact, that list is almost exactly the same. But even more interesting and maybe even troubling was the fact that the study showed how much Christians worry is essentially the same as the rest of the world. There's very little measurable difference according to the study, except for Catholics. They found that Catholics worry more than the average person. So pray for your Catholic brothers and sisters, I guess. But this morning, what are we supposed to do when life gives us plenty of things to worry about? And what are we supposed to do with the fact that Jesus tells us not to worry and reminds us that there really is no point in worrying and that we need not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself? What are we supposed to do with that? Because it seems like we as Christians have the same concerns as the world around us. We worry about the same things. We worry just as often. And I would guess that each of us this morning has that list of things. Maybe it's a long list of things that weigh heavy on our hearts and on our minds. I know I have some of those things, especially right now, and Jesus acts like this is so simple. He just says, do not worry. But what seems so simple to Jesus is, is really difficult for us, I think, if we're honest. And so maybe Jesus didn't consider all that we have to worry about Because Jesus and his disciples, maybe they lived in a more simple time, right? They didn't live in 2020. And so maybe it was easier for them not to worry like it is for us. But we have to remember that Jesus and his disciples lived in an incredibly unstable and unpredictable world. They lived in an agricultural society where a patch of bad weather at the wrong time could disrupt their entire economy. Jesus hung out with fishermen. These are people who would go fishing and maybe sometimes not come home with food to feed their family or to sell. Jesus and his friends lived as subjects of Rome with very little control over their lives or their taxes, their place in society. And all the scholars that I read this week believed that the majority of the people who would have gathered to hear these words from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount would have come from among the poor. So these are the people who had every reason to worry. They had no reserve wealth. They had no Dave Ramsey emergency fund. These are the people who lived in survival mode all the time, every day wondering if they were going to have enough to feed their families and to appease those Roman tax collectors. And as soon as they would have survived one day, they would have immediately started planning and maybe even worrying about tomorrow. And so it's to these people, it's this this group that Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow. When the reality is that's probably what they were pretty used to and what they were really good at. 
And then, of course, Jesus himself would have known he had plenty of things to worry about himself. He, he had the constant conflict with the religious leaders, and he would have known that he was headed towards his eventual arrest and a criminal's death on the cross. But this same Jesus, who then was fully aware of all of life's concerns and his disciples' needs and those who were listening to him that day, said to those people, and then eventually then to us, do not worry about your life. And we're going to get into this a little bit more this morning and what Jesus is calling us to. But first, I think it's important that we recognize that Jesus is not making light of our concerns. The Greek word, here we go, you get your Greek word this morning. Your, your Greek word that Jesus uses here for meremna is, for, for worry is meremna. And Jesus uses different forms of this word meremna throughout this passage. It's a word that is translated worry, but it can also be translated as anxiety or cares or concerns. And meremna isn't always used in a negative way, and it can also be used as an appropriate feeling of intense concern. It's used that way later in the New Testament, and Paul uses it in a positive way in Philippians when he's applauding Timothy for the way that he is filled with deep, genuine concern with meremna, for the welfare of others. And so these feelings of concern that we have can be a good thing. They can be the things that cause us to do what needs to be done. And so Jesus knows that our lives are full of things that we should care deeply about. He's not pushing for some kind of concern-free existence. One of our son's first favorite movies was The Lion King. And so I've probably heard the song Akuna Matata about a thousand times to this point. But Jesus is not introducing Akuna Matata here. He's not introducing a problem-free philosophy. He's not promising us that we will have no worries for the rest of our days. You know the song, and you can thank me later for getting it stuck in your head for the rest of the weekend. In another place in Scripture, Jesus even tells us that as long as you are in this world, you are going to have trouble. And so when Jesus says, do not worry, he's not making light of our concerns. He knows that everybody has them. And he's also not saying that you're going to have a life free of problems because that's not the case either. But what Jesus is doing here is what Jesus really spends the majority of his time doing as he's teaching and preaching and living the gospel. He's introducing us to what the kingdom of God looks like and what our Heavenly Father looks like. Because I'm convinced this morning that this passage has a lot more to teach us about what God is like than it even does our propensity to worry. Because it's not that our concerns are illegitimate. Jesus even says that our Father in Heaven knows that we need the things that we so often concern ourselves with. But it's just that God cares about our lives more than we do. I want to say that for us one more time. It's not that our concerns are illegitimate. It's just that God cares about our lives more than we do. And as I wrestled with this passage this week and read it again, and I asked myself, do, I, do we believe that? Do I believe that, that God cares about our lives more than we do because that is the promise for us in this passage it's not that if we follow jesus everything is always going to be fine but it's an assurance that if god cares for the relatively insignificant things like birds and grass and flowers how much more must he care 
for us. The New Loving Translation says, If God cares so wonderfully for these things, he will certainly care for you. And this is only one of the places in Scripture where we are told how much God cares for us. First Peter 5 says, Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, we talked about marimna and that Greek word that Jesus uses for worry. And marimna is the same word that First Peter uses here to talk about our anxieties and our cares. It says, cast all your marimna on Jesus because he cares for you. And we talked about the fact that not all of our concerns and the things that keep us up at night are bad. Our, our concern can be good and they can, it can motivate us to do what needs to be done. But I think we also know that worry often takes us to some unhealthy places. Our worrying often causes us to dwell and to fixate on our trouble and our difficult situations. And marimna, though it is most naturally translated as worry or anxiety, literally means to be divided or distracted. It means to be drawn in opposite directions, to be torn apart. It's this idea that is, it's an idea of, of something that is whole, goes to pieces. And so Jesus is quite literally saying to us, do not let the worries of this life tear you to pieces. Jesus is saying everyone has concerns and needs, and your heavenly Father knows exactly what they are, but do not go to pieces over what you will eat, what you will wear, and how you will deal with tomorrow. And so it shouldn't be a surprise to us that in a world that is so often held captive by fear and concern and, and the worries that can tear us to pieces, that Jesus would suggest an alternative and radically different way to live. In verse 33, he says, Instead of concerning yourself with these things, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. These words call us, as followers of Jesus, to an undistracted pursuit of the kingdom of God. And as legitimate as our other concerns may be, as followers of Jesus, our concerns must give way to kingdom concerns. And these words in verse 33 assure us that if we put first things first and we focus on those kingdom things, our Heavenly Father, who cares for our lives more than we do, will take care of the rest. Jesus is inviting us to take our focus off of our daily needs, as important as they are, and focus our priorities and our concerns on a kingdom that offers peace and love and hope in the face of a world that is so often going to pieces. Now, this is no doubt a really different and a really challenging way to live. It is very different than the world around us lives but it is also an incredibly freeing way for us to live. I was reading N.T. Wright this week and his thoughts on this passage, and Wright is convinced that one of the reasons that Jesus wants to free us from our worry is that he has too much for us to do right now in the present, and he can't afford for us to be preoccupied with worrying about the future and things we can't control. Wright also suggests that when it came to his message on worrying, Jesus would have set the example for his disciples. Wright says, when Jesus told his followers not to worry about tomorrow, we must assume that he led them by example. 
He wasn't looking ahead anxiously, making the present moment count only because of what was coming next. No, Jesus seemed to have the skill of living totally in the present, giving attention totally to the present task, celebrating the goodness of God here and now. Wright concludes by saying, if that's not a recipe for happiness, I don't know what is. And so in teaching us not to worry, Jesus is inviting us to experience the freedom of being a part of a kingdom that does not depend on our own resources, where our security is not based on the economy and where our value of our life is not tied to what we have. Because Jesus knows that our natural tendency as people is to fixate on our needs and to control what we think that we can control and to provide for ourselves. But in the kingdom of God, Jesus wants to experience the joy and the freedom of knowing a God who really does care for us. He wants us to be able to celebrate the goodness of God here and now, in this moment, no matter how many things want to tear us to pieces. And so this morning, I want to leave you with a question to think about throughout the week. What has you going to pieces with worry right now? What has us going to pieces with worry? Because we are living in a world right now that is giving us plenty of reasons to worry. There are a lot of things that can and should legitimately concern us. We're all concerned about jobs. We're worried about what school is going to look like this fall. We're anxious about our health and the health of those around us. We're concerned about our country, upcoming elections, our economy. We can build quite a list pretty quickly. But as followers of Jesus... When life does give us worry and we answer that question, what is causing us to go to pieces with worry? We're invited to cast our cares on Jesus because we have a good God who cares more about our lives than we do. And so in a world that is running after these things and going to pieces, trying to come up with answer to these, answers to these problems, Jesus wants us to know that our Heavenly Father knows that we need these things. He knows that we need help in the midst of all of the craziness in our world right now. But Jesus is also calling us to not lose sight of his kingdom and to remember that we belong to that kingdom And to remember that the world needs to see Christians who are seeking that kingdom first. They need to see more Christians who are willing to put their full trust in who they know and not in what they have. Because we all live in this same world, whether we are Christians or not. We all have the same concerns right now. We are preoccupied with all of the same worries. But if we believe the words of Jesus here, The good news for us who know Jesus is that we can live knowing that we have a God who cares about our lives more than we do. And in a world that could easily push us to go to pieces right now, Jesus is inviting us to cast our cares on him as we choose to trust him and to remember the goodness of our God even here and now in this moment. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, we do 
Continue to want to live as people who are trusting you, even in some really, really difficult circumstances. And so we pray that you would help us to direct our concerns in healthy ways. I pray that you would work in our hearts and that you would help us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And that our understanding of your kingdom would continue to grow as we really do learn to trust you with all of the things that weigh on our hearts and our minds. And that as we trust you in a world that seems to be going to pieces with what's happening around us, we would see the peace of Christ coming from you. And that our world would see the peace of Christ in your church as we remember that it is in you that we find our hope and in nothing else. We thank you for being a God who is good, who is love, and who cares so much for us. And we are so blessed to be your children. It is in your name that I pray these things. Amen. Let me bless you as you go, even there online. Uh, May the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is forever faithful, and he will do it. Go in his peace. We'll see you next week. Thank you for being here this morning.